Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. For the Word, Hallelujah. God is a good God. Alright, how many of you have been blessed by the series so far? Just two people? How many of you have been blessed by the series so far? What are we talking about on Sundays? God and what? And money. Praise God. What did you learn last Sunday? What stood out for you last Sunday? Anyone? Anyone wants to volunteer? What stood out for you last Sunday? Nothing. What sat down for you last Sunday? <laughs> if nothing stood out, stood out for you, then I'm sure something will sit for you. All right. Anyone? Yes, sir. The main issue between God and Mammon is the issue of trust. All right. Someone else? Last Sunday? Yes. No man can serve two masters at the same time. Yes, sir. Yeah, learning to trust on God. And that's big. That's very big. Trust is big. Yes, someone else? The primary giving of the Christian should be done in secret. Let's Let's not forget that. That's very important also. Yes? I see some of you finding yourself. Is the the house warm? Do you need more air conditioning? Who shouted no like that? <laughs> Why are I canopy for you outside? All right, just joking. Okay. Yeah? <clears throat> Godliness comes with contentment. Yes, sir. That's very big. One of the primary values a Christian should have is contentment. A Christian should not be greedy. Hmm? A Christian should not be a hustler. All your status. God bless my hustle. God bless my hustle. God bless my hustle. God bless my hustle. (laughs) Who else? But how many of you know in this series, we're not saying God doesn't want you to have money, right? You know that's not what we're saying. We're clarifying our biblical worldview on money. All right, let's pray. Let's get into today's word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Now, we've, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. But we're coming to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9 to 10. Okay? We'll wrap up today. But we want to really spend some time on 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9 and 10. But we are going back to Matthew chapter 6. Where... The conversation started from about the life of God and Mammon. Matthew chapter 6, right? Now, we're going to read from verse 24 because that becomes the foundation. And we are going to stop at verse 34. So we're reading Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 to 34. 
as a foundation to what we're going to discuss in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Are you still here? Say amen. All right. Verse 24. Are you there? Matthew 6, 24. For this reason, sorry, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth, or you cannot serve God and mammon. Now, one of the words that I want you to pay attention to there is the word devoted. And we say the word devoted speaks of worship. Speaks of honor, right? Speaks of what? Commitment. Praise God. Now, verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Now, I want you to see the words of Jesus. And I want you to see how Jesus places the issue of serving God and mammon and talks about the worry of life. Now, he says, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Now, that is an express commandment. That is an express instruction from the Lord. If I said, if I came to church this morning and I said, do not be worried about going home. Is that an instruction? I didn't hear you. You are very quiet. Is that an instruction? Is it a suggestion? Is it a good advice? Is it good poem? Is it, is it just good English? I can't hear you. If I say do not be bothered about going home, what's that? That's a command or an instruction. When Jesus says do not be worried about your life, he wasn't giving you a good suggestion. Right? He wasn't giving you good advice. He was giving you a command. Says, for this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, I want you to pay very close attention to that. Jesus says life is more than what, what that means, remember what he told the, the rich young ruler? He says, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of what he possesses. Pay very close attention this morning so you don't miss it. Now, if I ask you now, how do you define a man's life? Let's be honest. How do you define a man's life? You need to talk this morning. If not, we'll do it the way they used to do it in school. You will stand up. When you answer, you will sit down. All right. Do you want to do that? Okay. Okay. So, how do we really define life? We, we, now, now, Jesus, now, you've got to pay attention to the words of Jesus. Because Jesus is addressing an issue here. And if you don't read with understanding, you will miss out what Jesus is saying. Because it says life is more than food. Life is more than the body. And the body is more than clothing. That means that 
if we want to talk about life, we're not just talking about the kind of food you're eating or the abundance of possessions that you have. The unbeliever defines life that way. The believer never, pay attention to this, define life by what he has or what he has not. Because that in itself is not true life. So he goes on to say, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather in bands. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than them? Have you ever seen a bed that was like this before? I can't hear you. Some of you are older. Old people in the house. Have you seen a bed that was like this before? Have you ever seen a bed like this? That was just doing... <laughs> and uh, after a while, you ask the bed, let's assume you can talk. See, maybe let's assume Noah. See, come and enter the ark. God wants to destroy the earth. Say, don't, I'm, I'm thinking about my future. Have you seen a bed that's ever thinking about its future? Talk to me now, church. Have you seen a bed that's ever thinking about its future? Are you worth much more than the bed? Now, he calls himself. He says, your heavenly father feeds the bed. He didn't say God, your heavenly father. What is Jesus trying to say here? Jesus is trying to talk about the fatherhood of God and the goodness of God. That worrying about your life is a sign that you don't trust God as father. Have you ever traveled with your children? You know, traveled with my kids over the weekend, went, went to Lagos. And you know, all they were interested in was parking. That's all they were interested in. What can we pack? Can we pack this shoe? Can we pack this thing? You know, they never thought about, do we even have the transport to make the trip? Do, do, do you know about that? Eh? You know, it didn't cross their mind. They just said, as far as daddy said, we're going to Lagos, we will get there. How many of you think that's trust? Or how many of you think if I walk into my daughter's room... And I just saw her like this, shaking her leg. I said, what is the issue? Hmm. He said, you said you are going to Lagos. I'm just thinking, how are we going to get money to go there? How do you think I'll feel? Eh? I'll feel very bad. I'll feel that she does not what? Trust me. How do you think God feels when you worry about your life? Think God is excited? Like, wow, look at that, my son. That guy can't worry. Okay, You know, some of you are worried that you don't have things to worry about. Okay, let's read. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? So God even says, no matter how you are good at worrying, you can't add one hour to your life. What is, what is the Lord trying to say here? That worry doesn't really add the things that should be added. Remember, we're talking about God and mammon. Alright. Then he goes on to say, Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of this. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So, he tells us exactly what that source of worry is, which is lack of trust. Now, this is it. The point, right? It's lack of trust. And we say when God says you cannot serve God and mammon, the big issue there was trust. Now, 
This is where you should. Let, let me summarize this message for you so you can understand it. The issue is people place their trust in money in such a way that when they have money, they no longer worry. I mean, if I, if I ask every one of you in this church to stand up this morning and I say, what's the one thing you need from God? How many of you know the answer that's in my heart for you? <laughs> Come and talk to me, church. What's going to be the answer? Money. Money, you're honest. You're, because, because you feel that money can answer all your needs. And that is a wrong thing. You've trusted in money to the extent where you, you feel if I have money, I can get a lot of things done. So all your life is about getting more money. It's not even praying and trusting God. And I'll tell you this, that's why some of us don't see miracles in our life. We believe so much in money that miracles have no place in our life. In fact, the miracle we want is miracle money. Yeah? A lot without trace. <laughs> do not worry then, saying. So how do we express worry? Confession, by what we say. Do not worry then, saying, what we will eat, or what we will drink, or what we will wear for clothing. Now, God is not saying you should be careless about your life. He's not saying you shouldn't plan. But he's talking about faith and what? Trust. Now, for the Gentiles, eagerly seek all these things. Now, observe the use of the word Jesus used. For the Gentiles, eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need how many of these things? Let me ask you a very simple question. And I hope the answer will not be difficult. Do you really think God knows what you need? All that you need? Do you, do you actually know that God knows right now that one dollar is 620 naira? I, I just want to find out from you. Do you know that God is actually checking a book FX to check the current exchange rate? But how many of you really know that God knows what the exchange rate is right now? You think he does not know? You think he knows? And you think with the exchange rate, God can still look after you? Okay. Just, just make sure it's not just church answer. Are you following this? But seek first his kingdom. So he tells us there is something the Gentiles seek. Because they feel by seeking this, they will have everything. They will be able to control life. He says, but that's not supposed to be so among you. I want you to do something else. I want you to seek his kingdom. The, the Amplified Version says God's way of doing things. All right, Seek his right and his righteousness. And all these things shall be worked. Now, I, I need you to understand something. God is not a wicked God. He did not say they will be subtracted from you. He said they will be what? Added. 
Now, if I use the word added, it shows that there is something first, right? I can't say added if there's nothing first, right? So if I say, I'm adding this to you, that means I've given you something first, right? Right? Or if I say, add something, add two cups of Gary to, me, to my food. It means you already have given me a portion before. So when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, it means that in the mind of Jesus for us, all these things are not first. So pay attention to this. The, the Greek word for first is proton. P-R-O-T-O-N, right? Proton. It's not chemistry. Proton. It's a Greek word. My pronunciation may be wrong, but my spelling is correct. It means, that Greek word means first amongst, or first in the order of priority. Priority, right? Did you do scale of preference in economics? What scale of preference? Don't do the book definition, just paraphrase. I know you didn't really understand it. But scale of preference just means that you have limited resources, right? Yeah? You have limited resources, you have unlimited wants. So, example you can understand. A woman has 10,000, but she wants to cook for a family of seven children. How many of you know those figures are not adding? So what does she do? She writes a list. I'll go to the market. What's the first thing if you want to cook soup? Come on, tell me. Depending on the kind of soup, right? Yeah. So you buy meat, right? And then you buy what again? You should, go, you, should, you should go and get married. You know too much about soup to be single. After oil, what would you buy? What again? I don't cook, so that's what I'm asking you. If I know, I would have given you the answer. What would you buy again? Boma, tell them. What, what would they buy? You buy pepper, right? Okay, so, but you just make sure that... Now, imagine you go to the market with the 10,000, and then you just buy... One basket, maybe one bag of Gary first. What will happen? You know that marriage is on the way to collapsing, right? Because first of all, your, your husband is going to drive you away from foolishness. All right, but you understand that because there is limited resources and unlimited wants, you have to prioritize what to use your money for. Man have to prioritize where to put his trust. You cannot trust God and trust mammon. Your trust is limited. It cannot be shared. You have to put it in one place. Now, if you put your trust in one place, what now happens is what the others are seeking through pursuit of money, what's going to happen is what? it will now be added unto you. Are, are you following that now? So you must understand that just as that 10,000 naira is to that market woman, so your trust is. That's all, that's all the woman has to go to the market with. 10,000 and nothing more. So how you use that 10,000 is a big deal. So two women can go to the market, or two guys can go to the market to buy foodstuff to cook, and one woman or one guy or one human being, so it just covers two of you, one human being goes to the market and comes back with what? Things not enough to make soup. 
Another person goes and because that person is able to know what is first, what is second, what is third, what is fourth, by placing things in their right order. So, the question of God and mammon is a question of order. God is not against money. God is against the position money holds in the heart of the believer. Or, let's put it this way. God is against the position that the money you haven't gotten yet still holds. You know some people, all they do about is dream dream about money. Yeah? You know, some people feel that you'll be more respected if you have money. Your wife will love you more if you have money. Your children will like you more if you have money. You know, sometimes when you talk about parents who are not parenting their children well, and you say, hey, I don't think you're looking after your family well. Say, it's because I don't have money. If I have money, these children will respect me. But that's not true. Because there are other parents who don't have money like you, like you claim to be, and their children respect them because the father is there. Are you here? You, other things of more value are made available to the children. Some of you think your wife will love you more if you have more money. But that's not true. Money makes the world go round. Have you heard that? How many of you know it's not money that makes the world go round? It's God that makes the world go round. The earth, Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, and all the people there. We should stop, as Christians, we should stop giving money the place God deserves, even in our conversation. Even in our churches. Today, we don't pursue relationships if there's no money. In fact, somebody asks you, what will I gain? Is it love I want to eat? They would tell, I mean, people tell, is it love I want to eat? Is it peace? <laughs> we, we brought money to the forefront of our existence. How many of you know that? Our conversations are dominated by money. Our, everything is about money. And, and it, money is enthroned as God, even in our systems. Church systems, uh, systems in the home, all kinds of stuff. Now, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and let's see Paul's instruction to Timothy. And we, we're just going to bank on that, alright? Let me, let me re- read this from my notes. The lies of mammon, or the lies of money. The first lie of money is you need more. What's the number one lie of money? You need more. You are not answering because I think you think you need more. How many of you think you need more money? Everybody thinks so. <laughs> money stops nonsense. Have you heard that? Have you heard that? Yeah. Some of you have said it also. Okay. I read a statement by Bill Gates uh, two days ago. I don't know, what position is Bill Gates now? Is he second? Which, which number? Those of you who are busy studying the wealthiest people in the world. Who is number one now? Elon Musk, right? Elon Musk, okay. So whatever Bill Gates is in that list, he said that he would spend the greater part of his life going forward giving back all his wealth to make society better and he said this 
that he knows he will not always be on the list of the richest men in the world, that he would give away almost all of his wealth. I would ask you a simple question. Why do you think the richest man in the world, or let's say one of the richest men in the world, makes such a statement and say, you know what, I'm not going to be on that list because I'm going to give almost everything I have to make the world a better place. Why do you think he would think like that? He must have seen everything about wealth. How many of you know that if you are in that place, you will not think like that? Someone say, I will. It's a lie. People don't give money because they have. They give because they have a heart that gives. You know, some of you say, all these rich people, all these rich people, and there are poor people around us. They cannot help them. You know, someone was talking about, there are poor people, they cannot feed them. So I asked him, many years ago, I said, did you eat last week? He said, yes. He ate all the days last week? Yes. Did you eat this week? Yeah. I think it was about a Wednesday we were having a conversation. Did you eat on a Tuesday? Yes. I said, for the last two weeks, you've been eating consistently. Which poor person have you given your food? So the issue is not that there is no poor person to give the food. It's just that you feel you don't have enough. But, I mean, and there are people who didn't eat throughout the week. You know, some of you here that feel, I cannot help anybody because I don't have. No, you have. What you have is more than what some people have. Do you agree with that? So, 1 Timothy 6, Paul begins to talk to the rich people in the church. He starts out by verse 6 saying, But godliness, let's read from verse 5. Well, we're talking about some kind of people, right? Constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth. If you are deprived of the truth, your mind will be depraved. It's the truth that renews your mind. It's the truth that renews your mind. So, as you get the word of God into your heart very strongly, what happens is that your mind is renewed. Praise God. It says, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain? He said, they think. Can we read from the New Living Translation quickly? How do these people think? They think that godliness, he says, to them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. So everything they do in church is, is, is about money. Huh? They can't serve God and let God go scot-free. Even when they give God an offering, say, talk to your offering, talk to your offering, send it on message. This offering as you are going, don't, don't come by and tear and then, I mean, it's money. They, you want more money. They are not, whatever. <laughs> do you understand? Say, send your offering message, send your offering message. Just see people talking as if they are about so much. You go, bring, bring dollars, bring dollars. <laughs> <laughs> eh? When they win one soul, heaven will be bombarded. Lord, I've won a soul. <laughs> you say you want souls, Abby? <laughs> yes. Here is your soul. Give me this. Everything is transactional with God, nothing is free. Hmm? When they praise, they want to dance like David does. Hey, God, watch my dance. Watch this step. Oh, don't blink. Watch this step. And then, <laughs> and then they dance. Because somebody have told them, when you sweat on the house of God, God will remove your sweat. Okay. 
He starts sweating, starts sweating, starts sweating, starts sweating, starts sweating. Even if the dance doesn't make sense, he just wants to sweat. I mean, God forgive you if you, if you try to clean that sweat. They can kill you. <laughs> Everything, see, the, the, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Why do we have all this thing about tithe going on in the body of Christ? Huh? It's because of the way people have been taught. Tithe is like the mafia money. So you pay God and then he holds up the devourer for the month. And you can go and do what you want to do. Let me tell you, a true believer who has a walk with God will never struggle with giving to the kingdom. Will never struggle. So godliness is not just a way to become wealthy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not just a way to become wealthy. Let's read on. Go back to the New American Standard Bible. For we have brought nothing into the world. So we cannot take anything out of it either. Do you, do you always think of this? That you brought nothing into this world? All this anxiety, all this pressure on yourself, you realize you came into this world naked? And when you're going back, naked also. They'll, they'll find some cloth for you, but not the real cloth you want to wear. Eh? Stuff you with cotton wool. Spray some chemicals on your body. You look all black. And God save you if you didn't come from a good home where they are fighting over something. They'll leave you there for two months, three months, six months, one year. So when we say to we'll bury, you'll just be there. Thank God your spirit goes to God. It's not some of your spirit will just be in the mortuary for a long time. You know what I mean? Just deposit two two hundred naira every day and keep you there. Until you are so black, they don't even recognize you again. Say, just bury anyone from there. All of them are dead. Take one. And that's the life. It's finished. All the anxiety, all the plan, all the... It's gone. You can't say, oh God, I'm coming. There's one wristwatch I bought. Let me just, can I wear it for one day? It's gone. He says, you brought nothing into this world. And you take nothing out of it. God has designed the world in such a way that when you come, you don't come with anything. So when you're going, you can't lay claim to anything. Just like that. Then he goes on to say, If we have food and covering with this, we shall be content." Contentment is a big word. And let me tell you, right? You can be very wealthy and be contented. God is not against wealth. He wants us to have contentment in what we do. But those, verse 9, who want to get rich, fall into temptation. And a snare. What is a snare? A snare is what? Want to get rich, you fall into a snare. And many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Pay attention to this. That desire to get rich. You will, you will fall into a trap. There are many people who have married people because they had money. And they didn't know they were marrying monsters. At the end, all the air conditioning in the house is on, but they are sweating. Because it's eternal heat. You're looking for money. There are preachers who have been called by the Lord and all they are concerned about is money. Every time they open the Bible, it's money. 
You know, I heard, I, heard, I heard someone say, if you share your testimony and you don't seal it with an offering, that testimony is not valid. What, what nonsense is that? So you share testimony, then you have to seal the testimony with money. Right? Some of you have sealed some of your testimonies. Money every time. Money, 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 money. And you might look at it and say, preachers are all over money. Look at your own life. 90% of your decisions are money driven. Some of you have enough to live well for the rest of your life, but you are not satisfied. You will walk and work and work and work and work and walk and keep walking. Can't sleep. Three jobs, four jobs, hustling, headache every time, migraine. You are taking paracetamol until it's not working for your head anymore. Overdose. Take something stronger. Say, man must hustle. Man must hustle. Man must hustle. And you are just like that. Foolish and harmful desires. Before you know, they'll start telling you the quick way to make money. So it's too slow. Hmm? Now enter sports betting. You know if you come to this church, you know I have a covenant with God that nobody who listens to me win with sports betting. Yes. Say amen, everybody. Amen. If you come, I'm telling you the truth. I'm tell, if you come to this church, you will never win. It's something I just pray that God does for me as his favor. That anybody around me, you will lose money. You will not win. No, that's the truth. So if you are betting, there are two ways. You either stop coming or you stop. You will never win. That's the, you will never, you know, it will come to pass. This one will come to pass by fire. <laughs> you will never win. Don't waste your family money going to bed. Look at it now. This is what is happening to you. Foolish and harmful desires. Playing modernized pool. That's what you want to get rich. You will fall into temptation. Hmm? That's why you now start seeing people trying to do what? Shortcut people. Steal. Lie. They were not liars before. Why are they lying now? They want money. Come on, are you following this? That desire to be rich, the scripture says, will open up a trap for them. Open up a trap for them. Let's read some scriptures. Proverbs 15, 27. Proverbs 15, 27. He who profits illicitly troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will leave. Profit illicitly. Profit from wrong gains. You will trouble your own house. So for the Christian, how you make your money is as important as the money you've made. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can't go and use substandard materials to do a contract and come and be testifying that God has given you breakthrough. And two years later, the house you built for people collapsed. That's not breakthrough. Hmm? How you get your money is a big deal. The scripture says you will trouble your own house. You realize that if we had a system that is working in this nation, if most of the people will look up to as wealthy people in this nation, probably a lot of them will rot in jail. Because all our roads are in their stomach. 
All the lights we should have. 60 plus years. A nation cannot boast of a constant power supply. Because somebody's transformer is the Italian dining table in the hands of a politician. And some of us are like that. You are supervising people. What they should be um, entitled to is 20,000. Take 17. And because you know if you don't give them, you can pay someone less. A child of God should be fair. You should be just. That is where your trust comes in and say, you know what? I'm going to do what is right and I'll trust God to look after me. That's where you don't allow mammon to govern you. People work for you. You will not pay them. You know, a Christian should not owe salaries. You don't know. Hmm? When someone is working for you, when it's month end, you are looking for all the thoughts to reduce their money. When I enter the office, you blink with your left eye. Minus 500. You are just looking for... You see, it's mammon controlling you because in your mind, you're not just disciplining somebody. You're feeling that if I don't pay this person so much, what's going to happen? I will have more. That's why you find young girls, young Christian girls will run after people who the scripture says they should not. He says he's a very good man. He's not born again, but he's even better than some pastors, I can tell you. Okay. Since he's not born again and he's better than us, go ahead. Ah, he drinks, but very small. Before the drink will catch him, he will catch the drink. Okay, 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 okay. Now that you are marrying a goalkeeper, go ahead. And then five years later, they have turned you to a bartender in your home. You are the one now mixing wine and selling love of money. Huh? Then he goes back. Then he has forgotten how to, to catch the drink. The drink starts catching him back. So every night they return your husband in the back of your pickup without his shirts. You now realize that you have fallen into what? Snare, a trap. You have entrapped yourself. But what led you there? It wasn't love. It was the love of money. Not love for the man, the love of money. Are you, are you still in church? I'm going very slow so that you don't say, oh, I didn't hear. You hear everything today. <laughs> Proverbs 23 verse 4. Say, oh, pastor, you were very fast. No, I'm not. <laughs> because this money thing is a big deal. Even for us as pastors, we have to, we have to warn ourselves. Because once you are a money-driven preacher, everywhere you see in the Bible is breakthrough. Everything is breakthrough. Even as Jesus went to the cross. See, you are born again, not to suffer again. Okay, okay. Salvation now just becomes a means to escape suffering. And that's why some of us are frustrated as Christians. Because they told us that immediately you come to God. Hmm? And then you have nice terms. Once you start serving Jesus, you will have sweatless triumph. You have accelerated progress. You have a 24-hour miracle. You wake up a prisoner. You, you go to bed a prisoner and wake up as a prime minister. So I receive. And it's been four years. You are looking for a job. Are, are you following this? Can I tell you something? Does God perform miracles? Absolutely. 
But there's something called perseverance in the Christian faith. There's something called long-suffering in the Christian faith. There's something called patience in the Christian faith. There's something called suffering in the Christian faith. Get used to it. Because any little thing, say, oh, why is my life like this? Is it my own that should be like that? <laughs> and all those questions you are asking is what? Money-related. But how many of you know, let me tell you, even if you're struggling to pay your rent, do you realize that you can go to God in prayer and trust God and start working with God? And what will happen? God will start showing you ways. Are you still here? Proverbs 23.4 Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Don't wear out yourself. Cease from your consideration of it. Verse 5 is interesting. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies towards heaven. You can't catch it. How many of you have attempted to catch a bird before? Right? You go catch the bird. It perches. When he sees you coming, he hopes a bit. You go, and before you know, you, you, you get inside the bush. Right? See, he said, that's what wealth is. God wants to add this thing to you. He doesn't want it to be the greatest consideration in your life. He doesn't want it to be the greatest pursuit in your life. Very interesting. And that's why Paul had to instruct Timothy about this. Last scripture, Proverbs 28 verse 20 on this. Proverbs 28 verse 20. Thank you, Lord Jesus. A faithful man will abound with blessings. What does a faithful man mean? You stay diligent. You stay consistent. What's going to abound? Blessings. But he who makes haste to be rich will not go what? Unpunished. You don't make haste to be rich. Huh? A lot of wealth seminars, little character seminars. See, no trust. Deal with people where money is consigned. Zero trust. Somebody say, Pastor, are you saying we should be poor? Not at all. If you're faithful, the scripture says you will abound with blessings. It didn't say you will end up poor. You will abound with blessings. Majority of our seminars in church is about breakthrough, right? Breakthrough. Open door. What else? Double favor. Right? Hmm? Now, we are all alive. We are all human beings. We are all Christians. Let's be honest. The character of believers today and the character of believers maybe a couple of years back, is it the same? We've sacrificed character and contentment on the altar of riches. We've served mammon and despised God. There are some of you who are here. If people have trusted you with their money and you haven't done their jobs, the first thing to do is not to pray. Go go there. And apologize to them. And go and get that job done. 
That's how a Christian is. A Christian keeps his word. It's not you leave that one, you're looking for another job. You leave that one, you're looking for another job. You leave that one, you're looking for another job. And that's what I'm going to preach. First Sunday of August, make sure you're in church. We want to teach on tender conscience. Some of us, we have allowed our conscience to be ensnared because of money. So we lie fluently. You are in a bus. Say, where are you? You put the phone outside. <laughs> Say, I'm in Okada. I'm close to you. You, you are a believer. A deacon. Because you took two jobs. And you know, after you have lied consistently, lie will no longer make meaning to you anymore. Your conscience is snared. The greatest thing God wants to do for you is not to make you rich. The greatest thing God wants to do for you is to conform you to the image of his son. So when people see you, you are like Jesus. That's the greatest thing. And I'll tell you, if you are conformed to the image of the son, there is no how you will not increase. You know what I realized? If you take all the fruits of the spirit and you build them into your life, you will become someone valuable that people want to work with. And of course, they'll exchange value for that. Are you still here? So he says, go back to First Timothy chapter 6. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. It will, de- it will plunge you into ruin. For the love of money. For the love of money <laughs> is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, look at the craving, have wandered away from the faith. Made them to lose salvation. Wandered away from the faith. They do all kinds of abominable things. You see, this is scripture speaking. The love of money. And the reason God was saying this is because there was an instruction to Israel. Right? You can write that down. Okay? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your might and with all your strength. You are not to give that love to anything. Matthew twenty two twenty seven. You are to love the Lord your God. Your, your, your love for God should not be shared. Says some longing for it. For the love of money is the root of all sort of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith. And pierced themselves with many griefs. Huh? Money sitting at the altar of our heart. You're no longer loyal. Today, you find young girls give themselves to men who are older than them, give themselves to married girls. All they want is money. There is no, there is no sanctity of the body. And you know, when we teach some of these things, it looks like, oh, pastor, you're not really true. Da, 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 da. You know, <sighs> there are many people in relationships today just because of what the relationship can offer. Then they will tell you, hey, it's not like I want to marry him, oh, but what can I do? What can you do? Huh? So you're in a relationship, you know you don't want to marry this person. There's that dishonesty and hypocrisy in your mind. But he's paying house rent for you. 
Buying phone for you. Buying clothes for you. Say we are just friends. The most, the most, I don't remember what to use now. The most, uh, I don't know, packed word in our, in our generation today is that word, we are just friends. Oh, we are just friends. Oh, there's a lot in it. My, Pastor Mary was telling me about the word people use. Something, something, friend, or something, something, something. Sh- What's that? What's that? <laughs> there are many now, now. Those, and, and, you know, I was like, what's that? I was trying to explain it. Say it's friend for benefits. What's that? I need one person to talk to me. Okay, friends with benefits. I, I, and I was wondering what that is. It makes me look very old. But I'm not. But in my own mind, I'm still learning, but in my own mind, if you, if you say this one is friends with benefits, it's self-explanatory. It's self-explanatory. So what benefits are you deriving and what benefits are you giving? So it makes fornication easy because silver and gold, you have none. What you have, <laughs> what God has given to you from birth, Right? You don't have silver, you don't have gold, right? But then there must be a benefit in the relationship. So what do you have? You have your hips and your lips. So you offer that. Can you reject gifts? Have you built your integrity to that extent? Where you know that if this gift will have a connotation, then I'd rather maintain my faith. Do you think if Mammon was sitting in the heart of Daniel, he would have rejected the king's food? He would have taken selfie. Right? I didn't come with my phone. He's taking selfie. King of Babylon. Life. Direct. <laughs> eh? Nebuchadnezzar Temple. And you'll be hearing other Christians in exile commenting, I celebrate grace. Congrats. God who has done it for you will do it for me. This thing is turn by turn. When it's my turn, things will turn. You will see 127,000 comments, 78 likes, shares, status. But if he had posted... King's food offered, rejected king's food, about to go to prison. Say he's not wise. Yeah. Say he's not wise. That's how you hear Christian Bible say, no, I'll just be collecting the gift. He himself knows what he's doing. Since he knows what he's doing, you yourself will know what you are doing. Just be collecting, just be collecting. When the time comes, tell him no. There's nothing he will do. Okay. And you live with that dishonest self all the days of your life. So when you lift your hands to pray, what happens to your conscience? When you sing, use me, Lord, use me, Lord. And, and God is asking, for what exactly? <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, if you call these people and you say, you see what, this is one million, it will have solved their problem. Why is your life designed that it goes to the highest bidder? Is there not a purpose for your life? 
Don't you have an assignment? Don't you have a call? Isn't God trusting you with something bigger and better? Is this life just about money really? For the love of money is a root. So some of the fruits we see, the root is what? It's the love of money. That's why you respect your uncle who has money. You're always going there holiday. When you see his children, you're always excited. Wow, princess, princess. You old man, you are dancing. You are dancing to children. Princess, princess. You even carry the child. Oh, tell stories that are not true. You always like the child excited. But you see the children from your uncle who has no money. You're driving them away. That's fruit. This is the seed. You are just feeling if you shout, Princess, princess, on your way, they will give you transport, 20,000. So you just go there every time. You leave your own children. You haven't shouted princess for your own children. You are there shouting princess for someone else. Look at it here. This is your problem. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith. You are not concerned about what God says. See, this is the main reason why God is saying you can't serve. You've got to make up your mind that when your faith and money is placed side by side, you despise money and you take your faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And pierce themselves with many griefs. Let's read on quite some reading. It says, But flee from these things, you man of God. And pursue what? Righteousness. Come on, how many of you remember Matthew chapter 6 verse 33? What did the scripture say? Seek the kingdom and what? It's righteousness. What was Paul telling Timothy? Say, forget about these things. Pursue righteousness. Huh? Godliness, faith, love, perseverance, gentleness. Take this verse, right? And tell yourself in this life you're going to cultivate everything. Listen, if you cultivate everything in this verse and you walk with it, you can't be poor. These are the very characteristics that people are looking for. Patience. Perseverance. Faith. Love. Righteousness. Godliness. Praise God. Let's read. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life. To which you were called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things. Thank you, Lord. And of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate. That you keep the commandment without stain. Keep it without stain. Or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus. This should be our aim. To keep the commandments of God without stain. Or without reproach. Until the appearing of our Lord Jesus. And he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in an unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. I want to write a verse down. Um, uh, let's, let's, let's backtrack a bit. Go to first, now, go to first Kings, right, chapter 3. Let me read something. I want to show you something first, very quickly. Go to 1 Kings chapter 3. Thank you, Lord. You know, the Bible says, The blessing of the Lord make it rich, and he added no sorrow. But those who seek for wealth, they pierce themselves with many sorrow. So God is not against you having wealth. He doesn't want wealth to govern you. 1 Kings, I said you should turn to what? Chapter 3. Go to verse 7. Uh, is there 7? 
Okay, remember when Solomon prayed and asked the Lord? Let's read very quickly, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people, which have chosen a great people, who are too many to be numbered or counted. So, give your servant... Remember verse 5, the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, ask for anything you want. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge these great people of yours. Now, imagine God appearing before you tonight and asking you, hey, come on, Mr. John, or Mr. Matthew, or Ms. John, ask for, Ms. what now? Ask for whatever you want. How many of you know the first thing every one of us is going to ask for, including me, is money? You know, sometimes we think when you have more money, you do more ministry. You know, that self is placing trust in money instead of God. Instead of placing trust in the God who calls you, you place trust in money. He didn't ask for money. He says, give me an understanding heart. Imagine somebody came to church and says, praise the Lord, yesterday night, God appeared unto me and said, ask for anything you want. And I just said, Lord, I need understanding heart and wisdom to judge among these people. You're a fool. What's understanding heart? What is understanding heart? What is wisdom to judge among people? Don't you have common sense? Now, I want you to pay very close attention to this verse. Look at what the Lord told him. He says, it was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. God said to him, look at everything we are going to read now. And look at our prayer points today in church and our programs. So read. Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life. What's number one prayer we pray? Nor have you asked riches for yourself. What's the number two prayer we pray? Money to enjoy what? The long life. That's that's the balance it now. What is long life without money? So you ask for long life first. They say, Father, to top the long life, money. Nor have you asked for the life of your what? What is the number three prayer point we pray in church? Anybody that will not make you to enjoy the long life and the money should die by what? By fire. Yeah, this is our three prayer points here. If you look at all our prayer points and put it, this is what we pray. And God says, you didn't ask for these things. Eh? But you have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. He says, I've done according to your words. I've given you a wise and discerning heart so that there will be no one like you. Nor shall anyone be like you arise. I've also given you what you have not asked. Do you, do you realize this? What did the Bible say in Matthew 6, 33? Your father knows what you need. Your father knows you need long life. Your father knows you need wealth. Your father knows some enemies. He will have to get them out of your way. But you see, you seek the kingdom. How did Solomon seek the kingdom? He sought the wisdom to fulfill the assignment God gave him. That means he prioritized the kingdom. Right? And God says, I'll add this to you. Look at what happened. I've also given you what you have not asked for. Both riches and honor. So that there will be not be any among the kings like you all your days. First Kings chapter 3 verse 7 is a practical manifestation of Matthew 6.33. Practically. The man asks for the wisdom to carry out that assignment. And God said, what you did not ask for, I'll give to you. But you realize at the end of the day, it is the riches that also now destroyed Solomon. Because when he was now rich, the guy started marrying many wives. One thousand. 
And those women drew his heart to idolatry. You know, some people are not committing sins because they are poor. Some sins are expensive. So, we, we don't know now if you are humble. Because poverty can, can humble you. When you have money and you can afford certain sins that are pricey, then we will actually know. Because what money will do will amplify who you really are. Some people are just quiet. So I'm a very quiet person. Shut up. You're not. If we load you with money now. Eh? You know, we say some of these things and it looks like we're joking, right? But you know, sometimes even churches, money can begin to control them. You know, some churches, sadly enough, will go to buildings where other churches are using and offer the landlord a higher rent so that those churches will be driven out and they will go and use those places and they will testify. We are taking over the city. God has given us dominion. So your dominion is to displace people. It's happening. Not, I mean, two, three of my friends have had the experience where churches come. Just in the name of spreading branches, will offer something higher. What's that? That's, that's mammon. That's mammon. That's, that's money controlling because the Lord will not. That's not justice. That's not fairness. Are you still here? Don't be oppressive with your phones. Don't, don't, be, don't live an oppressive life because of wealth. Learn it. Let people be comfortable around you, whether they have or they don't have. Don't be, don't, don't be oppressive. There's a way wealth speaks to you to be arrogant. And some of us pursue money because that's the level of arrogance we want to get to. See, I'm not talking now because I don't have. Just wait. You won't have. Because we don't want to wait to see what you will become. That's your future. It doesn't look bright for all of us. Especially when you have a society that extols money. Right? When you have a society that, that worships money. Government worship money. Military people worship money. Everybody worships money. Looks like when you have money, you can do anything. It, it creates a longing in your heart because every one of us wants that influence, wants that power, wants that respect. Let's go back to First Timothy. Are you still here? Are you learning something from this? All right, First Timothy chapter six. Make sure you listen to this message all the time, right? So you don't forget it. Let's let's read something. I want us to end in, in um, I want us to end in this First Timothy, right? So let's read something else so that we, we won't go back there again. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Go to go to Colossians chapter three, verse five. Let me show you something. I want us to wrap up with this first. Go to Colossians chapter three. Verse 5. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. It says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality. You should consider your body dead to immorality. Impurity, passion, evil desire, look at this, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. You see, idolatry is worshipping another god. Greed amounts to idolatry. 
Are you, are you still here? Greed amounts to what? Idolatry. Now, let's... Uh, 1 Timothy 3.3. 3. We'll read two more scriptures, please. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3. Thank you, Lord. 1 Timothy 3.3. 3. This is talking about who should be a man of God. It says, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, okay, um, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. That is, a minister of the gospel must be free from the love of money. You see, a minister must not be driven by money. Must not be driven by money. Money must not be the reason why a lot of decisions are made. People who have money in the church are respected. People who don't have money in the church are not respected. People who have money in the church are visited. People who don't have money in the church are not visited. You know, when you see someone with money in the church coming, you're smiling, all oh, your teeth are out. Oh, well, welcome, welcome. We're glad to have you as a member. And you see someone who is poor. James says, you say, sit here. No. A pastor must be free from the love of money so that your doctrine is not corrupted. You are not preaching because of money. When you see people should not be counting offerings. Hmm? You see people say three offerings. Offering of access. Offering of acceleration. Offering of acceptance. Don't be controlled by the love of money. Don't go and preach only in places where you know the honorarium will be big. Hmm? Don't share visions with people you know will scare them. So I see, I see, I see something. I see something. I see somebody entering the grave, and it was the head they buried first. Say, oh, Pastor, what do we do? Say, ah, we need to sow seed and pray. You know, there are certain things, I'm telling you the truth. There are certain things God showed me concerning my members that are very, let me use the word, very devastating. I will not share it with them. Because as a shepherd, I have to take responsibility to pray for them. There are certain things I can see about you that my faith will be able to handle. That if I share with you the fact that you know that that kind of dream even existed. Have you seen somebody who is dead and they are burying with, the, with his head? To know that possibility exists, fear would invade your heart. So you save the flock by interceding for the flock. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't have anything to prove. You, I don't need to prove to you that I'm seeing visions. You don't, you know... All these, I'm sorry to say, but sometimes all these things we do is we feel that when we become popular, a lot of more people will sow seed. And you know, those things carry seed power. Oh, yeah. Oh, they carry seed power. <laughs> oh, they carry seed power. You know, I've gone to meetings where the Lord used us where those things were concerned. And by the next day, the place was packed. I was in a meeting in Abuja just very recently. And the Lord gave me a word of knowledge for someone, ministered to the person, prayed for the person, God got healed, something happened. And the next day, <laughs> the person, I was saying, Pastor Mary, when I was there, next day they brought politician to me, unhonorable. The man came, <laughs> met me, say, man of God, my money is tied here, my money is tied here, my money is tied here. If you can't pray, I say, no way, it's not. Because that one is now, if I pray, God answers. They release the money. I'll get my cut. I'll be. I now become a prayer contractor. Do you think? Do you think if I pray for that man and the money is released and they give me money, do you think I'll pray for you? Because I'll check now. 
All the people owing you, everything is like 150. <laughs> eh? By the time you remove your tithes, 15,000. How much do you think will come to me? Eh? I will just stay in Abuja. See, the man of God must be free from the love of money. So it's not only members who need to be free from the love of money. The man of God has to be free because it's an entanglement. Don't treat this message lightly. For the rest of your life, don't forget this message. Because it's easy when the money starts coming to allow it to govern you. So let's go to First Timothy 6. I mean, and there's nothing wrong praying for people and then miracles happen in their life. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't misunderstand me. But when you start doing that and you become a contractor, hmm? And when those people pray, even if you pray for them, something happens and they don't return and they don't give you a part, you start getting upset. You know, I said, last time I prayed for somebody and their money, I did not even eat anything from that money. So I'm not praying again. You are not, that's not your work. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, how many of you have heard statements like that? Yeah. It's good to, to, to return. It's good to give thanks. It's good to do all of those things, but that must never be our motivation. First Timothy chapter 6. Instruct those who are rich. That means they were rich people in the church. If they were not rich people, Paul wouldn't say instruct them. Instruct those who are rich in this present world. Not to be considered, the word considered is proud. Or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Don't fix your hope there. Okay? But where? On God. So, the summary of this message is this verse. It is the transference of your hope from God to mammon. From God to money. Don't fix your hope there. Right? Look at what it says. It says, But on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. So he says, the life I want you to live is a life where you are generous. Is a life where you share, where you give. And, and, and why is he saying give? Because in the natural, when you are giving, it looks like you are losing. Yeah. When you give, it looks like you're doing what? You're losing. But then, God says, this is how you know that your life does not consist in the abundance of what you have. Now, let me show you something very quickly. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians, 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 Philippians 4. Quickly. Philippians chapter 4, right? Alright. But at verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at least you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked the opportunity. Not that I speak from, from want. I don't speak from want. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity. In and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. Both of having abundance and suffering need. Verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I've told you always in this church. This is not a statement. A motivational quote. It's a statement of contentment. Let, let's read this from the Amplified Version. 
There's, there's a phrase I'm looking for. Amplified. Thank you. This is what I want. I have strength for all things in Christ. Who empowers me? I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. This is the word I like. It says, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Everybody, let's say that. Say, I am self-sufficient. Say it loud and clear. Say, I'm self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. This is the secret of overcoming mammon. Where your sufficiency is Christ. It's not your bank account. Whether you have a lot in the bank account, your future is not based on what you have in the bank account. What's your sufficiency? Christ. How many of you think if my sufficiency is Christ, I will not preach to you because I want money from you? But if I think that you are my sufficiency, what's going to happen? I'm going to preach to you. Right? If you know your sufficiency is Christ, you will not do eye service. A Christian should not have eye service. You should be able to serve people equally. Let me tell you, right? As we wrap up, learn contentment in your life. All those shoes you have, you will not use all of them. I know you want more. But as you go back today, and I'm, I'm very honest with you, as you go back today, sit down and confess this over yourself in the mirror. Look at yourself. Say, Maxwell. E. Ogaga, the son of David, I am sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. So that the longing for more, and let me tell you, God can bless you. Oh, yes, He can. Oh, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That longing that's making you not to sleep, that's making you to have calculated, some of you have calculated, calculated, calculated until your brain is almost knocked. There's no headway. So I'm looking at the future. It's not bright at all. It can't be bright. You don't even know the future you're planning about. Some of you are so busy, you cannot even serve God. So busy. The, the life you, the energetic life you have, you are not available for service. Wednesday, you are not here. Prayer meeting, you are not here. Workers meeting, you are not here. How much more will faith change your life if you can trust them? Hmm? If you can trust them. Someone say, oh, you are saying this because you are a pastor. Not a problem. Become a pastor so you can say it also. Christ is our sufficiency. Don't let money. And one of the ways you let money not to control you is to give it away. It's to give it. Say, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You plant the seed of faith. You give. You sow. Praise God. I'll tell you a very practical story. And uh, something that changed my life and birthed this message. I was putting up some funds for my, for my son for schooling. And then we had to put it in certain funds. And yeah, it was March. It was getting March. I was really excited. Ah, fine, that's sorted. And then something happened and the whole of those funds just went away. You know, and I sat... And the Lord was now asking me, so how would the boys' school be now? And the Lord began to deal with me where that is concerned. Investment is good. It's brilliant. But if that is where we put our faith for the future of our children, 
one economic policy can wipe that out. So, you know, even me, my faith was in the wrong place. So, we're not saying don't do that. But when you think about your children's future, don't be, I know what I've done for my children, so their future is secured. No. In that state, it's not Christ that is your sufficiency. Mammon has taken the glory. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Someone say, I'm hustling this life because I don't want to be poor so that my children will have a good life. Oh no, oh no, oh no. You are shifting thrones. What about the scripture that says great will be the peace of your children because they can be taught of the Lord? How many of you know you can build your life's children on that scripture? And every time you look at those children, it's not your insurance policy that comes on your head. You look at those children and you see the scripture. This child will be great because God is going to teach this child. The word peace, the Hebrew word shalom, means prosperity and increase. And then God began to renew my mind where that's concerned. And you know the question God asked me? He said, how did you get here? And it's just that simple faith, trusting God. But you know the beautiful thing about life? When your faith are produced, produced to the point where you have the abundance, what happens? You remove your cloth. They say, say, God, I thank you very much for how you have brought me thus far. I want to tell you that from now, from now, sir, with all due respect, I can control my life. So you now put God aside. Eh? Come on, church. Go to the bookshop. Pick up Anthony Robbins. Money master the game. Robert Kiyosaki. Rich dad, poor dad. Brain Tracy. Now gather investment course, investment group. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God, you don't even ask God which one should I join again. You're not prospect. Cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Forex, you're not sleeping. All night, you're trading. Ah, ah, deep, deep, don't deep. Ah, deep, deep. Some <laughs> of you trade all night. I can't come to church in the morning. If you are a Christian, be one. That's what the Gentiles seek after. But you pursue the kingdom. Is there anything wrong with those books? Absolutely none. I read them. That's why I can tell their names. So, but you know what? Our trust is not in what those books teaches us. Our sufficiency for this life is in Christ's sufficiency. So that tomorrow, if God says, Son, I need you for this assignment, you can walk away from everything and embrace that assignment. And the currency God needs from you is faith. Because you know what? Even when you have that money and you don't have faith, God won't be able to ask you for it. The early days, they sold what they have and they brought to the apostles' feet. And Ananias and Sapphira brought half. Hmm? Who was controlling them then? Mammon. I see husband and wife that are united in lies. Some of you, your husband lies. You know. And you say it's business. He will still lie to you when it's not business. Because he has taken on the nature of of a liar. That's what Jesus told you. He said, you have your father, the devil, who lies from the beginning. So if your husband is lying for business, gradually, gradually, his conscience will be snared to the point where he will not know the difference between business and you. He will now lie to you also. So don't be supporting them in lies. Some of you train your children to also lie. Hmm? Raising a generation of serial liars. 
Are you a Christian? See, it's just it's just white lie. Then you know when people like that, when I talk about the consciousness, when people like that want to justify what they are doing, they will ask, okay, let me ask you a question. If they want to kill somebody, and that person run into your house, and that person is carrying sharp cutlass, and the person now say, Is the person here? What would you say? You see now, they, they want you to, they want to put you in a, a position where they say, if you say the person is not at all, you say, hey, 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 it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Okay, so, let's not allow money control us, even as a church. Let's not allow where money gives us vision. Let's pray before we do things. Let's ask the Lord. Even in giving, you know you can get to a place where you have money and you just give at will. Have you asked the Lord if the Lord really wants you to be a part of that project? Have you prayed about it? Or you are just a distributor without asking the Lord, where would you want my money? Where would you want your money placed in? Do you have a sense of stewardship? Is Christ your sufficiency? Praise the name of the Lord. Can we pray together? Father, we humble ourselves before you. We want to thank you for teaching us the word of truth and the word of life. Lord, we repent of the times, the seasons in our heart where Mammon has stood as God. And Lord, we ask that you would forgive us. And that you would help us to put our trust absolutely in you. And that, Father God, we know that as we seek the kingdom, all other things will be added. We have faith that you want us prosperous, that you want us wealthy, that you want us rich, as we put the kingdom first. So you help us, Jesus, so that the kingdom will be first. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Um, just a question. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.